0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. sometimes when preachers preach on particular passages of scripture, we get the feeling sometimes that we're preaching to the choir. In other words, people who already know these things. But the scripture also tells us to be reminded and renewed constantly by the word of God and by reminding ourselves of these things. So I want us to remember something today that the Lord Jesus himself spoke of concerning this very day. This day, right now, today. This day that you are living in right now. And Jesus spoke about it. And so we're going to go there in Luke chapter 17. The title of the message this morning is, uh, As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah. And so we're going to read from Luke Chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. And Jesus said this, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And he's speaking of his second coming here. They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Father, we pray over your word right now. And I just ask, Lord, that you stir our hearts up once again to realize the day and the age in which we're living in. And Lord, that we as your people, a holy remnant, your church in the earth, would not cease to warn people of these very words. That we would not sugarcoat the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would stand up. That we would speak up. And that we would point men and women to Calvary. God, melt our hearts this morning. Mold us and shape us to be those people that you've called us to be. That we would reach our full potential in Jesus Christ to reach this world for you for your kingdom. Lord, there are so many people around us each and every day that are dying without you. Lord, we have a grave responsibility. I pray that you'll burn it into our hearts. I pray that we'll never get tired of hearing this. That we'll never grow cold and lukewarm. That we'll be those ones that you would spew out of your mouth because we're neither hot nor cold. Lord, let us have a fire in our hearts for you. Change our ways, O Lord, that we might line up with you and with your word. Take out the impurities of my heart, O God, and make it pure. Help me to hunger and thirst and follow after you more and more each and every day. That the things of this world would just shed from me We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. And There are plenty of things that we can look at in the new scripture where Jesus said signs and wonders and things that, that you can be watching for as time draws near, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, all of those things. We're not going to go into all of that today, but we're just going to look back at the days of Noah. Who was this man? Who was this man called Noah? We learn from putting several different scriptures, uh, Bible passages together, certain facts about Noah. We know that he lived in a very, very evil time. Amen? Uh, a, a generation so evil that it vexed the heart of God to the point of incurring his wrath upon them and his destruction over them. Amen? And uh, so this is, this is the time and the day that Noah lived in, and this is explaining just a little bit of what was going on there in uh, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know what? In the New Testament, we've got... We've got uh, power with God, we've got the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and He teaches us to do what with our imaginations? Pull down and cast down every imagination that does not line up with the Word of God. Get it out of your head. That's what God tells us to do. That's our job. That's our duty. That's what we're supposed to do. We do this by His grace. It's not out of love out of, excuse me, out of legalism. It's out of love for God. It's out of love for Him that we serve Him. And it's by his grace that we're able to do that. But casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Amen. But here the people's imagination and their thoughts filled their hearts with only evil continually. They couldn't come up with enough evil to do. They couldn't come up with enough inventions of evil. Sounds pretty similar to the day that we're living in right now. The envelope just keeps being pushed further and further. Amen. And it says that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made. How evil can a generation get? This is the answer to that question. How evil can a generation be? How evil can a people be? How evil can God's creation actually become? Evil enough to where God would look down upon it and say, I'm sorry that I even made that. How it grieves God's heart in that way when he sees that kind of evil. But then look at verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of all of that, God can break through and bring grace on a person's life. Amen. Hallelujah. That sounds pretty familiar again. How how many of you have been graced by God? How many of you know the grace of God this morning? Amen. We've been graced and we've been favored by God right in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation that we live in right now. Amen. But at that time, the world was so wicked that God could only look down and find one man, one man named Noah. So in that entire generation of people, God could only find one man. Think of that. I mean, we could say today it's hard for God to find a group of people who worship Him and who love Him. But think about the whole world around us. And, and there's plenty of evil in this world right now. We feel the effects of it each and every day. When we when we go to work, when we live in the neighborhood, we go to the shopping mall or wherever we're at. If you're flipping through something on the television, you'll you'll definitely see something there that you don't want to see. Hello? That's, That's the world that we're living in right now, and it is so evil. But we can't even imagine this kind of evil that we're talking about here, that God could only look down and find one person, one person who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One man, only one in all of the earth pleased him. One man called Noah. God said, there's only one man who loves me down there. There's only one who honors me down in the midst of that group. Only one who worships me as his creator and as his God. One man who refuses to go along with the crowd. One man who will not give in to the gratification of his flesh. Noah, um, grace, of the Lord. Because I believe that's the kind of heart that he had. That God looked down and found Noah. And Noah found grace. Amen. Then Genesis 6 13 through 14a, just the first couple of words in the 14th verse there. It says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. And then he went on to describe just exactly the details and the blueprint of how Noah was to build this huge ark. Something that people laugh at and scoff at today and say, how in the world could all of those animals fit on that on that boat or whatever. I'll tell you, have you have you gone down to see the ark that the, that they've built? Uh, where, where is it at? Is it Ohio or K- Kentucky, right? I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, take a trip down there, and you'll go, wow, that's how you did it. I mean, it's just laid out in such a way, three stories, little bends for uh, small animals, bigger cages for larger animals, and two of every kind. And And God wiped out everything else off the face of the earth. Amen. And so God warned Noah what he was about to do. I'm going to destroy the entire earth and everything in it. So This is what I want you to do. And God has never brought judgment, church. See, a lot of people get this one wrong too, but God has never brought judgment on mankind without first giving them fair warning, and ample time to repent and to turn to him. Why? Because he's a loving, gracious, merciful, wonderful God. Now people say, well, when we read this account, it doesn't sound like a wonderful, merciful, kind, loving God. But he's a God of justice. And he's a holy God. And when his creation violates his order and and the things that he has laid out for mankind to do to honor him and to glorify him, they turn their back on him, they harden their hearts against him, and they make their own bed, so to, sleep, so to speak, and they sleep in their own bed. Amen. Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says this Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So God does none of this judgment in the earth before he speaks to his prophets or before he speaks to his servants. Are you one of them? Hello. Amen. If you're one of them, raise your hand. I'm his servant. Amen. You might say, I'm not a prophet. Yeah, but you're his his servant. You're his son. You're his daughter if you're born again. Amen. And so God will let you know and God will let me know the day and the time and the hour that we're living in. And anybody who reads and understands the scripture, uh, that is anyone who's born again of the spirit of God, because the carnal mind reads the scripture and doesn't get it. The Spirit of the living God who wrote and inspired those words through the men who wrote them is the same Holy Spirit that lives in your heart today. And when that clicks, boom, the lights go on, we receive the revelation of the Lord God. Amen. And so he reveals his word and he shows people what he's about to do. And the words that I read in our text this morning were just from Jesus himself saying, this is what you can look for at the end of time. Oh, I don't want to jump the gun here, but uh, I'm telling you, I just, I want to shout this, I want to shout this message, amen. But all the while that he was building the ark, he was warning his generation. You know, sometimes people just get the picture of Noah and his sons and scaffolding around the the ark as they're going up higher and higher and building this thing, you know, and uh, and and uh, you got to know, church, that he wasn't just looking at the people down there and going, thinking in his mind, "Oh boy, you you poor creatures. Oh boy, it won't be long." And oh, no, no, he was preaching. He was preaching. He was warning the people. He was telling them, "Amen." Second Peter chapter two verse five says, "And God spared not the old world." but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So for uh, he, he's building the ark for about 120 years, it's believed, that it took to build it. And for those 120 years, he's preaching. A wow. 120 years in that wicked environment, and not one convert, not one person turning their heart toward God, not one person giving their life towards God, not one person forsaking their evil ways and turning from them to seek the living God. Not one in all of that time. And he was preaching, man. He was preaching and building, preaching and building, building and preaching, preaching and building. Repentance, repentance, for the Lord God is getting ready to destroy this earth because of our wickedness. No doubt, as he was building and as he was preaching, they were mocking Noah every day, every day. You old fool, it has never rained before. What makes you think rain is going to come out of the sky now? Because God told me He's going to make it rain. Because God said He's going to destroy this earth with a flood. Because God gave me His word and God gave me an assignment and God gave me instruction. And I'm building this great big old boat right here because I'm going to save me and my household and anybody else that turns to the Lord. God can get on this ship, on the good ship salvation right now. But nobody turned. They all mocked Him and they laughed at Him. Where's the scientific proof? Where's the scientific proof? Can you hear voices back then saying stuff like that? The ones that are saying it today. Where's the scientific proof that a man could be born of a virgin? Where's the scientific proof that God created the heavens and the earth? Where's the scientific proof? And it's all around. His handiwork is everywhere. He says in his word that he has revealed himself by nature itself, that he exists. The people turned a deaf ear to God's warnings. They blinded their own eyes to his truth. And after a while, they probably didn't even pay any attention to Noah at all. Because it says they were just going about their business from day to day. Routine. Jesus wasn't even pointing out necessarily any sinful practices that they were doing. He just said they're they're just going about their business from day to day. Not thinking about God, not heeding the warning, not listening to Noah, not listening to the the preaching of righteousness, making their own wedding plans, getting married, eating and drinking partying, reveling, right up until Noah entered the boat and God shut the door. God will shut the door again one day. There's one person on the face of this earth right now somewhere who is going to be the very last person to receive the gospel message before the rapture of the church happens. Let's go looking for him. this week. Hey, what do you say? Come on, church. Let's go looking for that guy this week. Let's give out a gospel track. They're back there. They're back there. Take one on the way out today and start talking to people about Jesus. Can you imagine? I mean, I'd be thrilled to see just people in heaven that I was able to lead to Christ. I gotta think, I gotta think. I just it's gotta use my imagination just a little bit to lead that guy to the Lord, <laughs> to lead that one to the Lord. And, and as he's receiving Christ and as we're praying together, and the Lord, we hear the sound of the trumpet, and all of a sudden we're holding hands praying, and up we go. What a wonderful thing, eh? Amen. Could be today. But in Jesus' warning here, He was just saying that people were going about their business from day to day and not even caring about what was being said. There are people today who are not listening to your message as a Christian. They're not listening to you. They don't want anything to do with what you've got. got. Church, don't, don't be discouraged by that at all. We have not yet preached for 120 years. Come on. We haven't preached the gospel for 120 years. And Jesus was warning us, church, that this is exactly how it's going to be prior to his coming, his second coming. Amen. The prophets and the apostles also gave us warnings. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 and 21 says this, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Smarty pants. Thinking that they know something. Thinking that they know better than God. I just preached on Sanctity of Human Life on Sunday, January the 20th, just two weeks ago. And just two days later, a bill was put into law that is now legal to kill babies right through the ninth month of pregnancy. And I mean through because after that as well. After that. A living child. A living child laying on a piece of cold metal that they will walk away and allow the child to die. That's what they're saying, folks. And this doctor came out smiling and and just saying, what's wrong with that? And they applauded it. They applauded it. And the leaders, and, and excuse me if you want to, bringing in politics, but it was the leaders of the Democrat Party who were applauding this and saying, this was a great thing. This was a good thing. Really? God looked down at the people in Noah's day and said, this place is so filthy and so wicked, I'm bringing destruction upon it. And if God is not looking down at this earth today, and especially our country right now, who know better, we've known better. We've known better in this country. And now we've gone in the way of the enemy. He's blinded people's eyes. Is God not saying to this generation, woe to you for calling evil good and for calling good evil? Woe to you. You know what woe is? (laughs) Tragedy, (laughs) uh, pain, destruction. Woe to you. And if God said to Cain, who killed his righteous brother and tried to hide his body, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground, how much more does the blood of 60 million little ones cry out to God every day in our day? Somebody might say, oh, you already preached that message two weeks ago. You know what? I don't think we're getting it yet, folks. I don't think we're getting it. Proverbs 17, verse 15 says this. He that justifies the wicked and he that condemns the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. The one who justifies wickedness, who stands with wickedness, who comes in agreement with wickedness. That's an abomination to God Almighty. And the one who condemns those who are just and those who are speaking out and those who are trying to make a difference in the world. They condemn you. They condemn our words. And they turn a deaf ear to it, just like they did in the old days. Church, I love you. And I know that we're not all the same. And I know that there are some people who are Democrats who are good people and Republicans who are good people. And I know that we've debated this and we've debated that. And Well, I see it this way and I see it this way. I'm more conservative and I'm more liberal. And we've had those kind of things back and forth. But I want to tell you something. This thing here is a very, very wicked thing. Very, very wicked thing. And I would just say this. If I were a Democrat, I would have to ask myself, Am I going to be an abomination before God by continuing to justify such wicked people? I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't come alongside of that. I can't be one who applauds that. You say, well, I don't applaud it. I don't think that was the right move. That's my party. And I, I would say, wouldn't it? Well, make it not be your party They've gone so far. My whole family, we were raised Democrat. My whole family. Union, blah, 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 blah. And we get in a rut, church. There's a lot of people who are living in sin today. Put the politics aside. They're living in sin today because their mama and their daddy did it, and their granddaddy did it, and their granddaddy before them did it, and and on and on. And because my grandfather beat his wife, my dad beat his wife, and now I'm going to beat my wife. I'm not going to beat you, dear. But that's how it goes. And somewhere along the line, somebody's got to break the cycle and say, Hey, wait, just a minute. You know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not just following to be a follower. I got a mind to think with. I can, think, I can use my own head to think with. Psalm 37, verse 27 says this. Depart. Depart from evil and do good. In other words, do the right thing and dwell forevermore. Do the right thing. It's never wrong to do the right thing, church. And the right thing would be be to shut this thing down as quickly as we could. 3 John 11, verse 11 says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil is of God. Have not seen God. I've heard some of those people, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm focusing this on the leadership of the Democrat Party, and I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that there are some very, very wicked hearts at the top of this thing right now. Very wicked hearts. And I am imploring the rest of the Democratic brothers and sisters in Christ, come away. Come away. Don't align, don't align yourself with them any longer. And if you can't bring yourself to vote for a Republican, just don't go vote. Did you hear that? I want to read those two scriptures again. Depart from evil. Get away from evil. Use... You, you, Tell me, you tell me that you can look at that decision and the applause of those people, and you can look at that situation and say, that's not evil? You're not seeing right. You're not hearing right. Depart from evil and do good. And then John says, beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. I have to agree with the preacher who said, We shouldn't be shocked that God wiped out that entire generation of Noah's day with a flood. But we should be shocked that he hasn't done something similar to us. That should be the shock. And I am in agreement with that statement. We should be shocked that God has not already done something about this. That God hasn't already just brought down wrath upon this place. And I believe for the sake of, uh, of a few people, a remnant that God has in the earth today, you and me, his church, that he hasn't done that yet. That there's a withholding, there's a staying of God's wrathful hand right now. And fortunately, you and I are part of that. If you're a born-again Christian, we are a part of that. Amen. The only hope for the world today is the voice of the church. It's the voice of the church. I know our hope is in Christ, I understand that, but that message has to go to the world, and it comes to the world through us. So the only hope that the world has today is the voice of this church, our church, right here. You, me, as Christians, taking the word to the people of of, of this world. God has a remnant in the earth today who has found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We are not self-righteous people. We are not standing up and saying, shame on you, dirty, rotten sinners. We are holy people, and we've always been holy people. No, we were the dirty, rotten sinners ourselves. And such were some of you, Paul said. I did it, you did it. We can go down a whole list of all kinds of sins that the Bible says is sin and abomination to the living God. You've done it, and so have I. But now... But now, as we shared around this communion table today, now we have found grace in the sight of the Lord. Now we have found grace by God, God's mercy being upon us. And we have that message of hope to bring to other people. And we can come alongside of them and say, I know what you're going through. I've done the same thing. I know you're offended at my words that I'm speaking to you right now, but so was I offended when those words came to me. But I thank God that that offense came to me by the way of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And he was wooing me and calling me and gently tugging on my heart, being very long-suffering with me, putting up with me for a long, long time because I got a lot of friends who are dead today, and so do you. And they've died without Christ. They died with a needle in their arm. They died on the battlefield. They died in, in ditches. The only hope that people have is for you and I to tell our story. Tell our story what Jesus has done for us and what he has done for them as well. Amen. We're called his church. We're called the bride of Christ. We believe God's word. We seek to warn men everywhere to repent and to turn their hearts toward God. And as it was in Noah's day, so it is today. Our message is being mocked and laughed at by people who think that they're smarter than God. Second Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. Peter says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And that's what I'm doing today, church. I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm stirring up by way of remembrance your pure hearts, amen, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by, before by the, the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But when they mock our message, They are mocking God's word. The scoffers of our day mock your word when you bring it to them. And what are you bringing to them? The word of the Lord. They're they're turning that same deaf ear to God's word that the people in Noah's day did. And it is sad, but they will reap the eternal consequences as well. That's why our hearts should break at a message like this. That's why our hearts should be touched. Not because of my eloquent speaking, but because of what I'm speaking to you today is thus saith the Lord. It is the word of the Lord, pure and true. doesn't need a whole lot of deciphering. doesn't need a whole lot of Hebrew, Greek, scholarly back and forth on it. It's pretty cut and dry and pretty plain and simple. Sin is a reproach before God. Just remember this, church. Don't back off because somebody mocks you. Don't back off because they laugh at you. Don't back off because they don't receive your message. And don't get offended because it's not your message. It's his. It's his message. You're just the messenger. You're just bringing the message to people. Amen. But this one last thing I'll close with. Galatians 6, 7-9 through says... Be not deceived. Don't be, don't be fooled about this. Don't be deceived about this. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. The the bottom line here, church, is don't give up. Don't give up on this message. Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on your loved ones. Amen. And take this message outside of those doors today. Wherever we go, put a smile on your face. Talk to people. I'm shy. Pray that God help you to get unshy. Lord, I just have a hard time talking. I had a hard time going up Calvary's Hill. I can't speak for Jesus. Come on, church. God, stir our hearts up. God, stir our hearts up. God, help me to look at people in the world and, and wonder in my mind, I wonder where that person is heading right now. You know, if we start looking at people in that way, and, and I don't really, I don't even think that you have to be fanatical. I'm I not saying you have to run up to people and shake them and say, hey, hey, judgment's coming. You better get right with God like right now. I'm not saying, you don't need, you don't have to do that. But you can smile at them. You can be friendly to them. And within 30 seconds or a minute, you can strike up a little bit of a rapport with someone, so much so that you can at least leave them a track and say, hey, would you read this when you get time at home? Or a cashier behind the cash. Cash register, you can't stop and give them the Romans road. Don't be a fool. They're working, they got a job to do. And they'll get fired. Oh, and then they'll thank the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, I got fired. Glad that Christian came by today. But you can say, hey, here, put this in your pocket and read it when you get home. That doesn't it, that's not a big deal. Amen.